Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Be Her Village podcast. My name is Caitlin Legreas, and I'm the founder of Be Her Village. Be Her Village is an online gift registry for what moms really need, support, not stuff. We're talking to providers and people who care for moms in their pregnancy, their birth, their postpartum. We're talking to real moms and hearing their stories and really just getting into all the good stuff that comes along with new parenthood. So check us out, tune in, and let us know what you think. Hi, welcome back to the Be Her Village podcast. This is Janelle. I hope you're having a great day from wherever you're at. If you're new here, Be Her Village is a gift registry in the form of a crowdfunding platform where new parents can ask for and receive the funds they need to pay for the support services they deserve. And yes, they deserve them. So just like you'd register for your stroller or your crib and ask for your family and friends to pay for them, with the Be Her Village registry, you can put support services on your registry, then get the funds to pay for them. It's super easy. You have to create a registry at BeHerVillage.com, connect your account, add the services that you want, share your registry with your family and friends, and then they contribute money. That money goes into your account, and then you get to pay for your support services, and voila, you're supported. And those support services can be anything that you choose, from doula support to yoga or meal delivery or even childbirth ed classes, just like the one our guest today has to offer. On this episode, Caitlin McGreas, founder of Be Her Village, talks with Lizzie Bolliger, fierce birth advocate and the founder of Unmedicated Birth Academy. Caitlin and Lizzie talk about their birth experiences, the hospital system, and how moms can navigate it to take control of their experiences in pregnancy and in birth. I'll link everything that Lizzie has to offer in the show notes, and be sure to follow along with Lizzie and Be Her Village on Instagram. Thanks so much to all of you who are downloading our episodes, sharing the episodes, liking our pages, sharing us, and telling your friends all about Be Her Village. We appreciate it. Now, on to the episode. Enjoy. Um, so just for everyone who's listening, who are you and what do you do? Well, my name is Lizzie, and I used to say, like, I'm a doula and a childbirth educator, but... I've really been focusing more on the childbirth education. So now it's okay. Ready? Yeah. I'm Lizzie <laughs> and I'm, I'm, that's a joke. Sorry. I am a um, birth educator and a fierce birth advocate because I really feel like that is my role right now. And whether or not a mom is choosing me for her childbirth education, she is getting me as her advocate. Like if you come across any of my freebies, any of my content, any of my podcasts, like I am rooting for you. And specifically, of course, you know, you're a doula, like we're rooting for all moms, but specifically I like to help the moms who want an unmedicated hospital birth because I just feel like they're under supported. Like there's a lot of support for the out of hospital birth. And there's a lot of support for like the traditional, typical it's style hospital birth. And then the ones that are in between are kind of like, they tell you like, you should have given birth at home. And there's like, there's just a complete lack of support. So those there's are some, my favorite a little ones. lane. I love that. And like, I, so this is probably not like the correct, like sensitive term, but my mother would say to me when I was trying to find my way in early parenthood, because I, and I think this might be why we resonate so well, I liked a lot of the things of natural parenting and natural birth, but there was also like, I also liked traditional things like hospitals and TV and non-cloth diapers. Like there was just like, there's a place in the middle and I'm still like that, even in a super mm -hmm. polarized birth world and political world, there's things from each side. And my mom's term for me was 
crunchy, not crazy. Like there's, there's a little bit, but you don't go all the way. And I love that about Unmedicated Academy and your entire presence and page and coaching, because it's all about really like taking what works for you and, and that middle of the road, like we can have an unmedicated birth, but we can do it in a tradition. I don't know. Traditional birthing for me is like home, but in a, right. in a more medicalized environment, you can have a completely different experience. And that's right. And like, I'm all about like, let's take control of our birth experience, like not let birth just happen to us, but really like choose what you want in your birth, whether that is at home or in the hospital or, or what have you. Yeah. So I have some questions. I'm just gonna like run through them and we can go wherever this is going to go. My first question would be for someone who's listening to this, who maybe isn't seeking an unmedicated hospital birth. What is it about unmedicated birth? Like, why is that even something people are seeking? Why is that something that's sought after that is maybe a positive thing? What does that look like? That's such a good question because if you don't know why moms are choosing unmedicated birth, when you hear that, you're like, you're crazy. Um, And the unmedicated moms get that a lot. Home birth moms get that a lot. Um, and I always joke, I'm like, well, actually we think you're crazy, (laughs) but really it's just like, I just feel like there's a big, um, lack of education here. You know, we're told like, oh, you get pregnant and you go to the hospital and you have your baby. And when you're in the hospital, you get the epidural and epidurals are fine. They're, they're definitely a support tool, but it's just, they're not the only support tool. And for moms that are choosing to go unmedicated, it's very typically moms who are just very natural minded anyways. They're always doing the natural remedies, that sort of thing. Um, moms who just really have like a strong belief in birth, which I believe that comes from, well, it comes from the, the wise women around you, but specifically like what stories have you heard from like your mother about birth? And that kind of sets you up with your like birth values and ideals. So that that big belief in birth is one. And then just having control, having control of your birth, you don't have as much control when it's medicated because once you choose interventions and medications, the risks actually go up. And so if you're talking about wanting to like walk around while you're in labor, you, you can't do that when you have drugs in your system, when you have an epidural, when you have IV meds. Um, So a lot of times it's also about just feeling in control of your birth. And what I really like to say is that your body and your baby want you to birth unmedicated because we have better outcomes for mom and for baby and birth just works the way it's supposed to when we don't interrupt it. And it's in fact, when we interrupt with all those interventions, medicated or, or other interventions, um, that birth kind of like derails. That's when you hear moms say like, oh, my birth plan went out the window. I mean, of course there's, there are medical emergencies that can happen, but more often it's the medical emergencies were created because of the interventions of the medicated birth. Mm, That's really interesting. It's really interesting. This, this thing you said about control, that when you become medicated, you lose control of the situation and of the interventions to come. Because I think you know, I'm trying to, again, remove myself from my own experiences and doula work mm-hmm. and my own birthing experiences and think of somebody listening to this that 
this might be their first podcast they listen to of ours, mm-hmm. right? They, they don't know Beaver Village. They don't know you. And they might be thinking, oh, well, I thought the epidural was used to control the pain and used to control the experience. And it actually what you're suggesting is it's the opposite, that the epidural actually is a place where we're losing control over the experience and what happens next because it then becomes medicalized in a big way. Absolutely. And I I really try not to be like anti-doctor or Mm -hmm. anti-hospital, but sometimes that that comes out a little bit in how I talk about it. I mean, there are huge flaws in our maternity care system and the hospital system, but I, I sometimes feel like the epidural is the way of handing over your control or sometimes your provider taking the control and, and it's putting them in the driver's seat. Mm. Um, and so it, while it does, like you said, I mean, it does control the pain, but, but now the control is not you. You're not managing the pain. You're not controlling the pain, the situation. It's whoever's got their hand on the like knob, right. you know, and we can talk about this with the epidural, with Pitocin, with continuous fetal monitoring, like all of those interventions kind of fall into that medicalized birth. So it's not always like just the epidural that we're talking about, but I really feel like it's part of the system and that's how they take control. Not that they are meaning to like rob you of your birth experience, but like it's a hospital. They have other patients, they have checklists to go through and it's not individualized. And that's, that's how your control kind of gets taken away when you're, when they're trying to put you into the box of, you know, follow these steps. Right. I think it's hard. And and I have similar feelings of like not wanting to trash any individual doctor or midwife or nurse or, but I think that there is something to be said that each and every one of us, each and every one of us, even the worst of us in this system are usually doing the best we can within Mm -hmm. our role and position and power and abilities But even with that, we can recognize the hard work of individual providers while also understanding that the entire system is set up in a certain way Mm -hmm. that is not working for us. And I like we can talk for hours and hours and hours about how the entire system is failing. We're really speaking more specifically about the unmedicated birth right now. Um, But yeah, it's hard to sort of parse out like the system the providers, the parents, you know, the individual experience, because it's very layered and there's multiple ways to approach that. It actually leads well into my next question, which is for an unmedicated birth, your, your whole platform is right. Like unmedicated Academy, you're talking to women and birthing people about how to have an unmedicated, unmedicated birth. So here's my question. Like, is that something you can control? Because I look at it sort of, or I can imagine someone could look at it as, well, it's just, you're lucky. You either have a pain-free birth and you don't need the epidural, or you have a painful birth and you need the epidural, that it's sort of out of our hands. And what do you mean I could take a class and go without an epidural? So do you mind sort of like speaking to that? What sort of control do we have over this outcome of whether we use an epidural or not? I, I love that question. And it really, you know, we have more control than we think. The narrative is that birth is so unpredictable and like just plan to go with the flow. Cause you like, you really don't know what's going to happen in birth. Like maybe don't even bother writing a birth plan. And I really think this goes back to someone perpetuating this idea 
in order to take control of the birth situation. So you're easier to manage when you come into the hospital and you do, you just follow along with whatever the provider says, and it makes it more of like a business transaction almost. Um, but we have more control than we think. And when you actually learn about physiological birth, it follows the same process every time. Uh, of course, there are some variations of normal, right? But for the most part, it's pretty predictable. Um, and like I said, it's when we interrupt that things kind of then go a little haywire because we're interrupting our body's normal process. Um, so in terms of that, like we do have more control than we think, but in order to take that control, like you have to have the knowledge. So I really like to take that knowledge is power approach because that's what worked really well for me. And with my first birth, I walked in and I just had like a huge belief in birth. Like I knew my body could do it, but I didn't know anything else. And I had done like a hypno uh, birthing. Uh, I think I just read the book and I did like the audio tracks and that wasn't enough for me. I know that works really well for some people, but for me, that wasn't enough. And it wasn't really until I became super educated and became a doula and I was like, oh, wait a minute. It's when I understand how birth works, that's when I'm able to manage it better. And, and I have more options. I know my options. And that's where I really hold the power. Now, in terms of luck, it, you could say there is some luck in it too. Um, I want to say that it's like one to 3% of moms will describe their birth as pain-free or like just a little bit of discomfort, like very manageable. So wow. we can call those. That feels like a high percentage. I know. I know. I want to say, and I'm, and I'm just pulling this from a reading. I, you know, I don't have it memorized, but I want to say it was maybe like 1% said pain-free. And then it was like 3% said, uh, you know, it was uncomfortable, but it, it was manageable. And I'm, you know, I really pride myself in being real that like, I am not going to tell you that a pain-free birth without medications is possible. Like, I'm not going to tell you that because then you're going to walk in and all of a sudden you're going to feel discomfort and, and you're going to be scared and you're going to be fearful and you're not going to know it's going to, you're going to think you need savings. So I'm super real about like, <clears throat> this is what birth feels like. And you know, you might drop some F bomb, like it's going to be like this. So that way you're not taken by surprise. So there is a little bit of luck in there. And then another area where moms sometimes get lucky is the provider. So you know, maybe they have a big belief in birth and they haven't really done any educating or anything yet. They walk into the hospital and they, they want to go unmedicated. They believe in their body and they have a provider that also believes in her body and also has really, you know, big values around unmedicated birth, birth starting on its own. And those two things, you know, that could be luck. Maybe you found your provider. Maybe it just happened that that provider that mom's probably going to have a really great birth experience because that provider is going to support her in the unmedicated birth. But in our hospital system, that's few and far between to have a provider that is um, very well-versed in unmedicated birth. Right. So that actually sounds like one of the things that you very concretely can control, right? Is like selecting a provider that will support an unmedicated birth, right? It's because it's like, it's not just how your body responds to labor, but it's about the people around you in the room. I would argue, and I have argued that like your provider is the single most important choice that you can make as a birthing person. And it's not even people who are 
after unmedicated birth, obviously that's who you're speaking to, but like for just someone who cares about their birth experience, mm-hmm. selecting a provider that is in line with your vision of how it will go. Mm-hmm. We talk about it as like a Venn diagram. Like if you talk about your wishes for your birth and that can be, you know, a, a planned C-section, elective C-section at 37 right. weeks. I've supported somebody who hired a doula for that. Mm-hmm. And that can look like an epidural before it gets really tough. And that can look like a home birth upside down. And, you know, it could be whatever it needs yeah, to be. Absolutely. And if your provider is so far away that there's no overlap, it's going to be rough <laughs> because you're not going to teach your provider in the moment how to care for you. That's just like not when it happens. They're not really open to learning and you're not up for teaching because you're in the middle of doing the work of birth and that's not the time for it. Absolutely. That's like one of the most proactive things you can do is find a provider that aligns with your birth values and your birth preferences. And I like to say that, you know, I call them the unicorn provider, right? The one that's like perfect for you. They can make your birth experience, but they can't break it. Like you said, they can make it more challenging. Um, so if you can find that supportive, that unicorn provider, like do it. But a lot of a lot of families can't provide or shop. Um, so I like to just make sure that they know that that's not the only way, and that and that when you get educated and you know your options, you hold more of that power, and your provider doesn't matter. Of course, they'll make it better. It might be more challenging, but. Uh, it the won't break The inability to shop for providers is one of the most frustrating parts of being an American. For me, it's just yeah. like some people have an unlimited amount of resources and mm-hmm. an ability to hire better providers, more inaccessible providers, and some of us don't. It's actually like one of the foundational, you know, principles of Be Her Village is that we need to get the access, which often means money into the hands of women and birthing people to like, just make their choices for themselves. Absolutely. I couldn't agree more with that. And like, uh, so my course, you know, I help moms that want an unmedicated hospital birth, but 100%, if you can birth at home, I want you to birth at home. (laughs) Like, I don't want you to take my course or, you know, hire me as your advocate. If, if you can birth at home, just birth at home. Um, but And that's what I wanted. I wanted to birth at home, but just like you said, it wasn't accessible to us financially. And so I stuck with the hospital births and just did it my way instead of doing it the hospital way. It's so interesting just going in this direction for one more minute, how it has flipped because I remember learning about how in the beginning of hospital birth, which is an experiment. It's only a hundred something years old, the experiment of hospital birth. Birth used to happen in homes. It used to happen in communities. It was midwife supported. Women in your neighborhood, in your network, in your village would come and watch your kids and make tea and help you breastfeed and help you get through your birth. It was, it was something that we were exposed to all the time. Mm -hmm. And then it went into hospitals and this is recent. It doesn't feel recent, but it's like it's like a few generations have been hospital birthing. Yeah. And I would say in the 1960s is when we switched over to a majority of moms delivering in the hospital. So not. Yeah. I think it was a little earlier than that. I don't know. It's the twi- the twilight birth. Oh my goodness. That's what, any- yep. That's what sparked it. <laughs> the 60s. It might be my, my timeline. You would know way more than me. Anybody who's listening to this, like pause the podcast and go look <laughs> up twilight birth. 
because it is one of the most disturbing things. And it's yeah. like everything you need to know about birth in this country and the current state of birth and hospital birth in this country, you have to look up Twilight Birth. So just pause. Yeah. We'll That's where it started. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Now you're back. Good. Isn't mm-hmm. that awful? <laughs> it's really horrific they would just put women out but they weren't out they would give them drugs to forget that Mm -hmm. they experienced their birth and it was it's really disturbing a lot of the um current hospital interventions like stirrups and laying on your back and sort of being strapped down with things are holdovers from that doctor-centered hospital experience um but the thing i wanted to mention about that is that when hospital birth started becoming wildly popular, it was a way for wealthy, privileged women mm-hmm. to access a cleaner, mm-hmm. more sanitary, more dignified type of a pain-free birth. That was like the origins of it. And home birth was only for the poor, mm-hmm. right? It was mm-hmm. only something that people who didn't have resources um to access that they were just sort of, it was an afterthought. And there's been this interesting shift where now home birth is for the wealthy white women, right? That's mostly who's accessing home birth right now. And you have everybody else who can't afford and who doesn't have the resources has to sort of endure the current state, which is hospital birth, which is dangerous for a lot of us. And it's dangerous in particular, we can't talk about birth and hospital birth without talking about maternal mortality and the, and the disparity where black women are dying at four times the rate as white women in our country, 12 times as much in my city in New York city. Yeah. 12, it's 12 times riskier for a black woman to give birth in New York city than a white woman to give birth. And that is, that is something every single person should be raging about and asking why and and figuring out the answer to and it's part of why we're all doing this work right we're trying to give people the tools to keep themselves safe and to have better experiences Um, but it's so interesting how it has flipped really from like you needed to have a hospital birth because you didn't have the resources to access home birth that's really interesting right yep i mean it's a whole monopoly it's it's been set up that way for the money making purposes. Yes. Yeah. So tell me, can you tell me a little bit more about your story and what it looked like to navigate the American healthcare system and how that brought you to what the work that you're doing right now? Yeah, totally. So I'm going to just like briefly touch on the highlights of my three like different experiences. So with my first, like I said, I didn't prepare I, I had a big belief in birth and I walked into the hospital and thankfully I had the midwife was on call and she really helped me have the birth experience that I wanted. And she helped me go unmedicated. And if it wasn't for her, I would have been following. I actually walked in and there was a, an OB on call first and he wanted to start Pitocin right away. And so thankfully I knew enough to, asked to not do that. I vividly remember this moment in my life because he was a very large man. And I was just looking up at him feeling so small. And I was like, um, I just really want to see if my body can do what it's supposed to do. And, um, anyway, so we did do that and, and it did end up being medicalized and knowing what I know now, I look back and I wonder, it's one of those ones where it, it, I'm not sure. Like, 
I feel like we made good judgment calls, but also I wonder how different it would have went. Like, for example, if I was at home. Um, so that was my first one still unmedicated, but still had some unmedicated in, in the fact I didn't have an epidural still needed Pitocin. And there was still some not so great outcomes for baby, which everything was fine. But, and then with my second, I just like, so I'm not a doula yet in my life. Right. And with my second, I was like, Oh, I've done an unmedicated birth before. Uh, this OB, like everyone in town loves this OB. He's so great. Wasn't even home birth. Wasn't even on my radar at that point. And, um, which is bizarre to me now because I had such a big belief in birth and I, and I already was like a pretty like natural minded mom, but here is society saying like, just like I said, all the, everyone in town goes and sees this OB and he's so great. Um, so went into that birth just with the experience. Like I, I relied on my experience. I've done it once before. I could do it again. And that birth experience was my least favorite. I was very under supported, but thankfully I had, I had gained a few tricks from the midwife in my first birth. So she introduced me to like nipple stimulation and getting up and moving around. Like she told me to do all that stuff. So that's the lucky. That's when you get lucky when you have that provider that tells you those things. If I didn't have her and I went into my second birth again, I would have had Pitocin. They did tell me to stay in bed. They used all these scare tactics on me. And I really had to say no, like a lot. I had to say, no, I'm not doing that. Instead I'm doing this. Um, and so saying no is, is hard. It saying is no really is hard. hard. It's Until hard. You do it, and then it's so easy, but like doing it the first time in mm -hmm. a medical setting is mm -hmm. so difficult. And without preparing for it. Like, I don't know if you do this, but like, I like will run conversations in my head sometimes before they happen. Oh, yeah. and, then, and then after they happen too. <laughs> so we actually do that in, in my birth course. That's one way that I help moms is we like go through sample conversations. So it doesn't feel so foreign to say no, um, but it was really hard and it is really hard to do period. Like when you're talking to someone that is the expert and I'm doing air quotes, um, and it's even more difficult when you're in labor. Mm. You're just so vulnerable and your your logical thinking is turned off. So when I look back at that experience, there was so many things that were so typical of the hospital trying to like take back control um, to the point that it like makes me kind of mad. Mm. Um, and I didn't even realize it at the time. Was I like, again, I wasn't educated yet. And the funniest thing is, is that at the end, I actually had to have the on-call OB because mine was, mine was gone. My super wonderful, great, everyone recommended OB was gone. Mm -hmm. And, um, he came in to like check cause my second baby was born on new year's, new year's day. So new year's Eve, I went into labor and new year's day he was born Love and that. he came in on new year's day to check on us. And he was like, Oh, I heard everything just went like. And he snapped his fingers like so smooth. And I was like, really? Then why were you trying to give me like Pitocin and like, right. what? So it just goes to show you that like the hospital's idea of like a great birth is not always the same as your idea of a great birth. Um, and still, I didn't even realize like the lack of support I had until postpartum um, when I reached out for help with postpartum depression. And I was basically told like, here's a prescription for, what is it? Zoloft. And, and, and 
like that's motherhood like go back to work I know this is really hard and I was specifically asking for like time off of work which is available to moms experiencing postpartum depression um, and he wouldn't give it to me this wonderful OB that everyone was suggesting would only give me a prescription for antidepressants um so take your pills, shut up, and go back to work. Mm-hmm. And, and this is hard, and you chose this. So it almost sounds, and this might be just my feminism showing, but it like sounds like he was almost punishing you. Like you can't, you chose this. This is hard. What what did you expect? I'm not giving you time off. Like how how does one person get that much power over our experience? It's disgusting. Um, like I, and so that is what, that was my catalyst point into like moms need more support. And that's when I became a doula and I actually fired that provider. I didn't go fill that prescription. I went and saw a naturopath and I cried after that appointment because it was just night and day, like feeling like you are the expert of your body and like feeling like you and your provider are on the same level and you're working as a team to find a solution. Like that's how it's supposed to be. And I had no idea. Um, and I think that's a lot of moms. I want to, sorry, just like also interject that I'm, I'm not anti-medication. I can't imagine you are anti-medication. It just feels infuriating that it was like given to you when that wasn't what you were asking for. I think medication is a wonderful option, especially in like a holistic sense of like medication and therapy and time off from work to be with your baby. And it's Mm -hmm. just, it's unbelievable that that was the answer that you got. So that taste of really high quality individualized care sort of changed everything for you. And that was after your second baby. That was after my second. And then, um, then I got pregnant again and like pretty quickly after. So I like, I actually, I actually ended up quitting that job that was stressing me out and becoming a doula. And then I got pregnant again. Now I know so much and now I'm pregnant. So I'm like even deep diving more into like labor prep and prepping my body and making sure I have like this whole, I had like a whole pregnancy routine down that was like getting me ready for unmedicated birth. And I was I'm going to have a home birth for sure. I'm not going back into the hospital. Like I'm having a home birth now. Um, And then I found out my insurance would cover $0 of my home birth. And I even kind of like got started a little late. Like I didn't contact a midwife right away because I have such a huge belief in my body. And I was like, oh, I don't really, I wasn't in any hurry to like go into my appointments. And so then there's now less time to prepare for that cost. Um, Right. Right. And it was just like unattainable. And, you know, the, the cost of home birth is going to vary greatly on depending on where you live. And I know where I live and I uh, probably where you live, it's yeah, we're in these coastal, super, super high cost of living areas. Yes. So it was going to cost me $8,000 to do a home birth, which if you're thinking about that compared to how much your actual like hospital bill is, that is nothing. That's it's, nothing. Why I like still to this day don't understand why insurance wouldn't cover it outright, but it's not, it's obviously so much more involved. There's lobbying efforts by physicians groups to stop home birth. I mean, it really, 
it gets into if you go down that dark hole of why would insurance not cover an $8,000 home birth and force you to have a thirty dollars to $60,000 hospital birth, the answers are not pretty. The yeah. answers range from they don't give a shit about women mm-hmm. to they want to control what's happening to it's a for-profit healthcare system yep. and physicians groups are lobbying to get more customers and see midwifery yep. care and home birth as as a competitor and there's a monopoly on the birth customer and all of that feels so gross compared to like the literal women that are like we just want to be respected and whole emotionally and physically at the end of our births and alive yeah and and alive gets dark pretty quickly when we start looking at why wouldn't your insurance company cover $8,000 for your home birth? Yeah, absolutely. I couldn't agree more with all of that. And and one thing that is really frustrating being the being the consumer on that end and trying to, you know, find a home birth provider, finding out my insurance didn't cover it is I I you know, I had a lot of anger and I like actually had to grieve the loss of that home birth and I was angry at the midwife for it being so expensive and her not taking insurance and so I just want to put this in here that the reason that midwives don't take insurance is because once the insurance is involved, there are rules. And the the biggest benefit of the midwifery model is it's individualized to you. So you get that individual care and you get that high quality care because the insurance is not involved. So I just wanted to put that out there. Um, but for us, it was a lot. It's the rules and it's the it's the reimbursement rates. I mean, this is what we're mm-hmm. doing with your village. Like it's inaccessible for midwives to do this work with mm-hmm. the reimbursement rates. My midwife got paid like three thousand dollars for a full year of care for right. on call time, for her supplies, for her office visits, for her in home postpartum visits, for attending the birth, for the liability insurance. I mean, yep. there was no way that was that was enough. And it becomes inaccessible work for them. And so right. part of like what we're doing with Be Her Village is not just making it something that women can access, but that the, the, we can get more providers. Yes. Because it's, it's not sustainable. It's just it's not, not. And then that's when we have providers that are burnt out and they're yes. even leaving midwifery. There's a few providers in my area that have left midwifery yep. because of this. Because it's not um, yeah. Yeah, exactly. And especially in higher cost areas of living, like like we're saying. Um so yeah, $8,000, it was going to be an $8,000 birth or I knew my insurance would cover all of it. Mm. So at that point, to go to the hospital. Exactly. And so all of it, but right? <laughs> there's a string. And so you have to weigh like is that financially feasible? But then you also have to like think about this. This is your birth experience. This could this is going to be a life-changing moment for you. And this is why a lot of moms go to the home birth setting after having the hospital birth. But one thing that I, you know, that was a big decision maker for me is like, okay, well, I've done it, you know, and I hadn't realized that my second birth was as bad as it was yet, you know? Um, And it still was no epidural. Like it wasn't awful, but it just wasn't what I wanted and I didn't feel supported. And like, we deserve all of that when we're bringing life into this world. Like, hello, 
We right. are keeping the, the world afloat here in more right. ways than one. If, if, I, there's a phrase that I'm going to butcher it, but it's like, if she doesn't feel like the birthing goddess she is, then like something has gone wrong, yep. right? Like if you're not feeling empowered and doted upon and worshipped by the people that are witnessing you in that moment, then something is off and it's not your fault. It's, it's the people around you. It's the system. It's something has gone off. So yeah. The context, I don't know if you're finished with your, your third birth. Did we get through to your third birth? I want to hear. Well, that was, that was basically it. So, so I decided to go into the hospital with the fact, knowing the fact that one, I can do an unmedicated birth in the hospital. And two, I'm going to be so prepared this time. Mm. I'm going to be so prepared. I'm going to tell everyone what is up. Like I am the boss. I'm taking control. I'm going to labor at home and then just walk into the hospital for the baby being born part, you know, for safety reasons. I even contemplated like, oops, like accidentally having the baby at home. But at the the end of the day, I did not do that. I did go in. Um, And this of course was like in the middle of pandemic, but before it like kicked up a notch again and like all the visitor restrictions came on. So there was a little bit of that stress on me too, um, in terms of like deciding what to do. And then I I was even more mad that I couldn't have a home birth at that point, you know, once everybody was kind of like switching over, but I ended up having a really great experience and it went exactly, exactly how I wanted it to. Mm. So, um, yeah, no, that is amazing. And that's when I was kind of like, wow, you can have hospital births that feel, feel like this, you know, and I did have a good provider. So that, that was some of it too. Um, but now I really am taking everything that I did and everything that I learned and giving it to moms so that, so that they can have births like that too. And hopefully not their third, hopefully with their first. A home birth in the hospital, you're the person to get that, but you're yes. the person to teach people how to get that home yeah. birth in the hospital. Absolutely. So I, that's, that's one way I say too, I say, if you want a home birth style birth, yeah. it's not, it's kind of apples and oranges, honestly, it if is. you want some more of those home birth things, feelings in your hospital birth. That's exactly what we do. Lizzie, that's really powerful. And I feel like I knew what you did, but hearing your own personal evolution, it makes me feel so much more strongly that like you are the person that has to teach people because, because as much as you're putting it into classes and you're putting into things like it is your lived experience yep. and there's nothing that matches that. Yeah. And I get, I really get personally attached to my moms, like just because I know what it feels like to have not a great birth experience and I do not want them to have that. So, um, I do get like super involved and like, I am telling them like, this is how it is, Mm. uh, when they come to me with like their individual things. Um, so yeah, totally. This is like, I feel like this is where I'm supposed to be. Yes. It's, it's so powerful and it's so needed because there are, I mean, you and I are working towards the same things on different paths, right? Like I think we all want people to be able to access care that they deserve. We all want people to be able to give birth and feel in control and have the support that they need. And we're working on getting people payment and you're working on like, okay, every, all else has failed. Cool. Here's what you do when you go in. Like you're like front lining it, right? Like you're like giving people the ammo to like walk in and 
get what they need to get and and how to think about it the framework but then like the actual here's how you do it like you've Mm -hmm. tried to get a better provider you don't have access to the type of birth you want so when you walk in the hospital here's what you do and here's how you do it that's such a good way to put it and that's and you're absolutely right you hit the nail on the head and another thing was that you know i couldn't afford the home birth and i also couldn't afford a doula and so while i do want you to have a doula and take my birth course if you can't have that doula, you definitely need to get into my course because I teach you everything that I would do with you if I was there in the room with you. Absolutely. I love that. You know, it's so hard. As a doula, I have seen how sometimes you can take a childbirth course and it's like when you get in the room, it all flies out your head because it's just like you're on. It's just it's so different to be in labor in the moment but mm-hmm. at the same time, like if you, it's just childbirth education, it's so important and it's never been more important because mm-hmm. I think there, that there's a misconception about childbirth education. I feel like this conversation is sort of breaking some of those myths down. Like it's not about breathing. It's not what it used to be like, he, he, who, who, and, and, you know, rubbing the back. And I'm sure that that's involved too, yeah. right? Like, of course, because I mean, when we're talking about an unmedicated birth, like I remember as a doula, people would ask me, well, what are your pain relief techniques? And I would say, well, the first one is like helping you figure out your entire team and making you do all this work in pregnancy so that you're calm in labor because feeling calm is like the first level of pain relief because the more tense you are and the more stressed you are, it's just going to feel absolutely. But like, and that's what it sounds like you're doing instead of like just learning how to close our eyes and be loose and let it come. It's like learning how to be able to do that because we have already communicated our wishes. We have made the choices. We have identified our options and we have taken a real stand for the type of birth we want. And it sounds too like one of the things that you're doing, it's just such a big deal. And it's like, I'm almost 30, I guess I'm only 37. I feel like I'm 45, but um, I'm learning in my thirties and my late thirties, like, boundaries and I feel like you're Mm -hmm. teaching people these boundaries that you don't have to accept things that don't feel good just because somebody has told you them and that is it's a really big deal yeah sort of flip childbirth education from Mm -hmm. just breathing into something really powerful absolutely and it's like we touch on it's not even just boundaries it is your rights as a human being and choosing what happens to your body and so that is something that we are constantly um, revisiting as we're like learning everything because it's something that has been wiped off of our maternity care. It's that you just you just walk in and they tell you what to do and maybe they'll ask if you have any questions, but you only have like 30 seconds um, and there's just so much lacking there. And, and never in any other setting would we let someone tell us what to do. Ever. Never. Never. Um, and even super, like, if we think of like really powerful women that like run companies and they're walking into birth, well, unless they do a home birth because they have the, 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 um, resources, resources. Yeah. but, um, they're walking into birth and experiencing the same. Like it doesn't matter. <laughs> it doesn't matter who you are. They treat uh-huh. everybody the same, which is wonderful, except they're treating us all terribly. <laughs> I remember, I remember sitting around a table. It was actually, it's local women who were 
um, we were getting together to talk about maternal health care. And these are women who like run organizations. One was a candidate for Congress um, and it was half black women and half white women. And we started talking about birth and we all, everyone in the room, like knew that maternal health care and black maternal mortality. So we all were recognizing mm-hmm. we weren't arguing or talking about that. We were all working up towards a solution. And we started sort of just casually exchanging stories. And what I found really interesting is that like the black women at the table were telling us their story and the white women at the table were matching that story with their own, like, and it suddenly became evident at that table, like, yes, racism is existing and yes, there Mm -hmm. is a crisis and yes, we need to pay attention to it. But also everyone is being treated terribly by the system and there are horrible experiences across the board for women in the maternal health care system and it's it's a problem it's actually a huge huge problem so i love that you're teaching people how to think about themselves and how to sort of like get back in touch with your power absolutely yeah i just i don't want moms walking in they don't nobody you don't know that with your first baby Mm-hmm. Walking in and just completely being blindsided. And so just having that knowledge really, you know, is giving you a leg up on the situation. And and you said just a moment ago, like tapping into, I don't remember exactly what you said, but part of that knowledge is power is like understanding what your body is doing so that you yeah. can you can connect with your your intuitive birth knowledge that's there. It is there already. It's just that. All of these outside sources are screaming at you that you need X and you need Y and you need Z. And none of that has anything to do with actual birth. Yes. The only person that has the most amount of information at any given birth is the birthing woman. Mm -hmm. It's just the truth because the doctors are and midwives are trained and they're trained in a huge way and they go through huge, you know, experiences getting trained but you are the only person that knows what is happening, whether it feels good, whether it feels bad, where mm-hmm. you're feeling things. And there's like this innate sense of whether things are okay or not. Yes. <laughs> right? Yes. Like you just know. Mm-hmm. Wow. Absolutely. That's just, Lizzie, this is so exciting. And I just, I feel like we're running out of time. So I want you, if you can, what do you offer? Like, I just feel like anyone who has listened to this has just learned about your philosophy, about your births, your story, and what you're seeking to do. And it's clear that you have a ton of wisdom and you're doing some really impactful things. How can people be involved with you? If somebody's listening to this and is like, oh boy, I need to, I need more. How do they get in touch with you? But like, what are you, what are your offerings right now? Okay. So this is a great question. Most of my clients go for my course. So that's like my middle of the road. It's like the biggest bang for your buck. Like we already said, it's for the mom birthing in the hospital, wanting to go unmedicated and maybe the mom that can't afford a doula, um, to feel super supported and just know, like know what to do. And um, so that's unmedicated Academy. And my website is just my name, lizzieballiger.com. Everything is there. You can find me on Instagram at fierce Lizzie. Send me a DM if you're not sure. Like I, I, I always want to make sure it's a good fit. I don't want someone to make that investment in my birth course and it not be like the perfect thing for them. So always, always, you know, send me a DM. I'll answer your questions. I'll walk you through what exactly is inside. But Unmedicated Academy has it all in terms of getting ready for unmedicated birth in the hospital. And then of course I do like one-to-one 
um, like a more like a larger package. And I can be there if you're local in person for your birth or virtually for your birth. And that also includes unmedicated academy, but it's just like a a step up. And I even have a middle of the road. You can get um, something I call doula on demand where you're in the course and we do a weekly Q and A in our course. So when you enroll in the course, you get one-to-one time, but the doula on demand upgrade allows you to send me um, voice messages and texts like whenever you need. So like as things are coming up in later pregnancy, this is when moms like have a lot more need for like individualized questions that doula on demand is there. And then my clients even will ask me things as labor is starting, like before they go into the hospital. So that's a really great way to have some support, some doula support that's much more attainable than like having an in-person doula. Awesome. That's spectacular. Oh, I love your sleepy baby. (laughs) Right back down. Oh, this whole time, by the way, for everyone who's listening, there has been a milky nursing and now sleeping sweet little toddler. She's the best. When Lizzie and I first started connecting and working together, she was what, like three months old? Yeah, she was small. Mm -hmm. Now she's like a person. Yeah, she is. And she like walks and she asks for like snacks. And it's just, it's so funny. All right. Well, you obviously have to have another one. So we'll all crown <laughs> you. Like, if we have village registry, we'll get you a home birth. <laughs> perfect. Perfect. That is 100% what I would be doing too. <laughs> I love it. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Lizzie. You are just a light. I just love talking to you. Um, and I think that you are doing hugely important work. And I just love how you have found your voice and your niche through this. And thank you for sharing your journey with us. It's really powerful stuff. You are who I needed to meet when I was doing this. And I love that you're doing this work now. What lucky okay. women that are working. You always make me feel so good when I talk to you, Caitlin. So <laughs> thank you for having me on your podcast. <laughs> Anytime. I love it. Awesome.